Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. going on here is an intense discussion, an intense argument, a conflict that's going on between these two brothers that had spent many years together, these two brothers that had served the Lord intently together. There is this heated discussion, something so intense that it pulls the connection of these two friends, these two brothers in Christ, these two ministry partners. It pulls them apart. Have you ever been in the middle of a conflict with another brother or sister in Christ? Today, you'll be in the book of Acts with Pastor David as he shows you an example of a heated disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. You will hear what happened here as well as what Paul says throughout his letters to the various churches about conflict and disagreements. There is nothing to gain from Christians arguing, and Paul repeatedly asks for peace and like-mindedness among believers. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 15 as he begins his message, Christians in Conflict. deal with an issue when you have two brothers in Christ that vehemently disagree? What happens when there's uh, two sisters in Christ and in their discussions, uh, it kind of moves from being a discussion to uh, dealing with some controversy and then pretty much argumentative and then pretty soon there's sharpness that's coming at those words. Even for particularly when that discussion or that argument before brothers or between sisters deals with something on a spiritual realm. You're brothers and sisters in Christ, but suddenly there comes this sort of a impasse and the argument seems to rise up. How do we handle that kind of a conflict and still keep our hearts pure before God, still remain as a usable vessel for his kingdom? Well, I can tell you what not to say. When you look at your brother or your sister, you don't want to say, well, you know what? You're dumber than a box of rocks. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if you're saved if you're taking that attitude. That's probably not going to win you points with them and particularly not with God, okay? That's not the attitude. That's not the way. I don't speak of experience here. I've just heard tell. Okay. Spiritual conflict is what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, It's a little bit different uh, study than what we normally do as we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. There's a portion here in Acts chapter 15, as we've been going through chapter 15, a conflict that is a very powerful conflict. 
And it's such a powerful conflict. I felt that we needed to stop and take a look at how do we deal with this? Now, this isn't going to be an exhaustive study on uh, brother and sister on Christian conflict, but hopefully it'll give you some ideas, some thoughts, and some direction how to deal with areas of conflict within our lives. But before we get into the passage, I want to remind you kind of what's going on and of the players here. Paul and Barnabas had been ministering together for a number of years by this point in time. If you remember, it was Barnabas as he was serving the Lord in Antioch of Syria, saw God moving in that church, realized he needed help, and so he traveled north to uh, Tarsus, and he was able to get Saul of Tarsus, that's what he was known of by as that time, to come down and assist him with the work there in Antioch. It's while they were there in Antioch that the leaders of the church began praying and fasting before the Lord, and the Holy Spirit spoke to those leaders and said, set apart to me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have for them. And so Barnabas and Saul went out on that first missionary journey together, serving the Lord together, faithful witnesses, these two brothers, these two co-laborers together in the Lord. They traveled together, they ministered together, they even suffered persecution together. And then after that first missionary journey, the Lord allowed them to come back to Antioch. They stayed there in Antioch for a while along with other disciples, again, just serving and ministering there at the church, these two brothers in Christ. And then at the very beginning of chapter 15 of the book of Acts, we find that a problem comes up as those men who were known as Judaizers, they were those who said that they were Christian but yet believed that they still needed to fulfill fulfill the rituals and the ceremonies of Judaism in order to be a real and true Christian. And so they took the burden of the law of Judaism, tried to add that to the reality and the message of grace of Christianity, and they started troubling the church there in Antioch. Well, Saul and Barnabas, Paul he is now known as, Paul and Barnabas stood against them, and again, this contention started at that point. Well, they determined, well, we need to go down to Jerusalem, where, again, the apostles were at that point in time, and bring this issue to them and have them settle the issue, and that's what we see through chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, verse 30, Luke tells us that Paul and Barnabas and the others that came with them from Antioch, as they came down, they settled the issue for the Gentiles, and then they returned to Antioch. Along with that, a couple of the teachers or the prophets from Jerusalem went with them. A couple of guys, one by the name of Judas. And Wouldn't you like to have the name of Judas by that time? I think I would have changed my name. Anyway, Judas and Silas went with them from Jerusalem back to Antioch, kind of as co-witnesses of of the decision that the council there in Jerusalem had made, that they weren't going to put on them any of the burden of the law, but uh, just a few things to keep them walking before the Lord, keep them from falling back into paganism. So Paul and Barnabas, Judas and Silas and some of the others, they went on up to Antioch. They stayed there for a bit there to encourage the saints at Antioch. So pick it up with me in verse 33 of Acts chapter 15. After they had stayed there, stayed there in Antioch for a time, they were sent back, back to Jerusalem, with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. So Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Everything was going great. 
I mean, the church was being blessed. You have these great teachers of the word of God, these great ministers ministering to the flock of Christ, to the body of Christ there. It just seemed like everything was going very well. The teaching, the preaching of the word, the growth of the body, the depth that was coming into the body there in Antioch. And then after a while, the Holy Spirit laid upon the apostle Paul to go back and to check on those churches where on their first missionary journey, churches were birthed, new believers came into the kingdom, and the Holy Spirit led Paul to say, hey, let's go back and check on these guys. So now we look at verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined, and catch that word there, Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted It's another powerful word there. Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then, verse 39 tells us, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. Guys, there's such a powerful message right in those words, and that's what I want you to focus on, a contention that became so sharp, they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by their brethren to the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches." So the plan, the overall idea, it was a good plan. Hey, let's go back and check on these new believers. Let's go back and check on those who have just come into the kingdom. Man, there's a lot of false doctrine that could be going on. There's a lot of issues that could be happening to them. Let's go see how they're doing. Guys, you don't want to give birth to a bunch of new believers and then suddenly leave them to themselves. They need to be discipled. They need to be encouraged. There needs to be some sort of a spiritual development going on in them. And Paul understood that. Paul wanted to check on these new believers, see if there was anything or any area that he and Barnabas could assist them in. And so the plan was good, but the particulars of the plan, that's where the glitch came in. That's where the issue came in. Barnabas, the one who's called the son of encouragement, we read that in the earlier chapters of the book of Acts. He wanted to bring John Mark back out on the mission field again. I believe he wanted to bring John Mark to help assist him in his growth, to help assist him in the area of ministry. He had failed before, but now here's a chance to kind of reinstate him. Also remember, we found out going through Acts that John Mark was a close relative with Barnabas. Some say that perhaps Barnabas was the uncle of John Mark. Some say that they are cousins. We do know that they were close relatives. Anyway, Barnabas was an encourager. That's just what he did. And so he, again, really insisted on the fact to take John Mark with them. Well, you can imagine the conversation, and it probably went south really quick. Hey, Paul, that's a great idea. Let's go back to where we were. But you know what? We need to bring John Mark with us because that boy needs to be back in the ministry. He needs to be encouraged. And suddenly Paul looks at him and says, no way, Jose. It's not going to happen. I am not taking John Mark with us. He's a quitter. He fell way short. I'm not taking a quitter with us. We're not going to be carrying around all this excess baggage. And suddenly Luke tells us that this event, he uses a particular word that's translated as the phrase in my New King James Version here. It says, the contention became so 
sharp. Some versions might say there arose a sharp contention. Kittle's Greek Dictionary of New Testament Words says that it's actually a Greek compound of a couple of words with the verb form of it meaning stirred to anger, uh, to be provoked, to be outraged or enraged. It carries with it the idea of provocation or irritation. Uh, As a verb, it also occurs in a couple of chapters over in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, when Paul goes into Athens and Luke writes for us that his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Now, that wasn't a provoking as an urging on to preach. No, he was angered because he saw all the idols that were all over that city. That is the context. That's the meaning. That's what's going on here. So you take that idea too. You come back to chapter 15, verse 39, and in the noun form, that word has that sense of a rising or a stirring irritation as Paul and Barnabas disagree about this whole thing of taking John Mark with him. I want you to clearly see, again, that this wasn't some small little disagreement about, hey, where do you want to go to lunch today? Do you want to have Greek food? No, we had Greek food last time. Uh, Let's go get kosher food. Uh, I don't know about kosher. And they settle for Mexican food. That's not what's going on here. What's going on here is an intense discussion an intense argument, a conflict that's going on between these two brothers that had spent many years together, these two brothers that had served the Lord intently together. There is this heated discussion, something so intense that it pulls the connection of these two friends, these two brothers in Christ, these two ministry partners. It pulls them apart Luke plainly tells us the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. That was that. Do you realize we don't hear of Barnabas anymore? We don't hear of Barnabas anymore. And some say, well, that's because Paul was right and Barnabas was wrong. Well, no, I don't believe that that's the case. We know that just very shortly, Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, joins the party with Paul on their missionary journeys, and he, as the writer of the book of Acts, has a lot more information on Paul, and that's the direction the Holy Spirit led him. But as far as Barnabas, really, there's not a whole lot uh, mentioned beyond a few times that Paul mentions him in reference to the missionary journeys that they had had in the past. But it is interesting to note, and this is just kind of a sideline that we can look at later, Later on in Paul's life, he actually understands that John Mark is a blessing to him. He tells Timothy, hey, when you come, be sure and bring John Mark with you because, man, he's just an encouragement to me in the ministry. He writes to one of the churches and he says, hey, listen, when John Mark comes to you, he's a good guy, man, and encourage him, support him in the work. Somehow Paul's mind, I believe, had changed in the midst of that, but we'll look at that in a moment. I wish I could say that these kind of conflicts, this kind of contention, this kind of division never happens anymore, that in the first century, we finally worked that out as the church. But you guys know that that's not the case. Some of you have been involved in situations with brothers and sisters in Christ, with ministries that have just been split right down the middle, a severe contention that's come about that's caused a breaking of fellowship. 
You know exactly what's going on. I mean, it's happened to me before personally, but the truth is, as it's happened in areas of ministry, it's happened in areas of personal relations, and I'm not going to say who is the right one and who is the wrong one in those situations. God will sort all that out at the end. But what I am saying, it's happened, and undoubtedly, it's probably, as I said, happened to many, if not all of you, in some way. So how do we actually deal with conflict as a brother or sister in Christ? I can't say, as a man of Christ, I'll never have conflict with another brother in Christ. It's going to happen. How do we deal with that? Again, I think it's really noteworthy here that some of the clearest understandings that we get of how to deal with each other when there's conflict that we find within the New Testament actually comes from the pen of the Apostle Paul. I think he was a man that was very acquainted with conflict, a man who experienced on how to do it right, and I think a guy that was experienced on how to do it wrong also. We've spoken about it quite often, about the words of Jesus, about how important it is to love one another. The words of Paul also add to that. Now, we're going to be looking at a a lot of other scripture passages today. You may or may not have time to flip to them all, but if you take notes, just write these addresses down and hopefully it'll help you in this area. Paul tells us uh, one place in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. He says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and in honor giving preference to another. In honor giving preference to another. In other words, I need to step down and I need to give preference to another. Paul writes that. So when we start out with that kind of a heart, you know what? We're going to be less likely to get into heated arguments. They may still happen, but again, with that idea of kindly affectionate to one another, dealing with each other in brotherly love, honoring and giving preference to the other, we're a lot less likely to get into them. Paul tells us, though, that we do need to strive, but he says we need to strive at being like-minded. In Romans chapter 15, down in verse 5, Paul says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus. Do you think that Paul understood that within the church there is already built-in divisions and separations? He says in verse 6, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, our God and Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. He says a very similar thing in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. He says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But catch this. But in a lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Sounds very much like what he said earlier. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Do you think we'd have heated and traumatic conversations and arguments if we really had that in mind? I believe it would lessen it greatly. Even the writer of Hebrews, some say Paul is the writer of Hebrews, but be that as it may, I believe that the writer of Hebrews was greatly influenced by Paul, if anything. 
the writer of Hebrews in 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And with that same kind of an idea, that same kind of a thought, Paul does write to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, when he says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I love, personally, I love that part where he puts in there, if it's at all possible, okay? Uh, because I just know there's some people, they just don't want to live in peace. They just, seems like they walk around with a chip on their shoulder. It looks like they look for an argument any chance that they can. I understand that. But if at all possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And then his words to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, right at the beginning of chapter 4, he says, walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. You need to walk with lowliness. You need to walk with gentleness. You need to walk with long-suffering. You need to walk in a way bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, nowhere here is Paul talking about compromising the gospel. He doesn't say, well, if they don't agree with the gospel, then back off the gospel. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's speaking of is working toward peaceful resolutions whenever these conflicts start rising within the body of Christ. Paul also tells us that if we have major disputes within the body of Christ, we need to try and settle them, if at all possible, within the body of Christ, not to take it to the courts of the land. He tells the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, now therefore, it is already an utter failure for you to go to law, in other words, to go to the secular courts against one another. Why do you not rather just accept the wrong? Why do you not rather just let yourself be cheated? Wow, that's a hard word. Some of you have been cheated. Some of you have been wronged, and you know, man, that's a bitter pill to take. But I want to bring you back to someone who was wronged greatly as he hung on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we're to have the mind of Christ. Does that mean have the mind of Christ except? It's a hard one to know. On and on we could go. And, and these are only the words of Paul. The other writers of the New Testament, they also speak the very same message. And I do believe all of it stems from the words of our Savior. Remember, and we've shared this over the last several weeks, the words that Jesus gave the disciples there in the upper room the night he was betrayed. There in John 13, verse 34, he tells his disciples, he says, you guys need to love one another. Now, you need to understand, there are zealots in there. I don't want to love those guys. Those guys are brawlers. They just want to fight every chance they get. And Matthew, man, before he became a disciple of Christ, he cheated me on my taxes, and I've got to love him. Him? You got to be kidding me. And this big oaf, Peter, that's always stumbling around, putting his feet in his mouth. No, there's a lot of these guys I don't love. You know, there's a lot. Of, we can come up with more excuses, can't we, of why we don't do what God has called us to do. Jesus told his disciples, love one another as I have loved you. You also should love one another. And then he says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for The Open Word.